Who's glad to be in the house of God this weekend? My mercy. Thank you, Lord. Welcome to all of our campuses. Promisers from all of our campuses were thrilled. By the way, Brandon, Campbell County, double last Easter, baptizing more people this weekend than all the history of that campus. Way to go. God behind bars. Man, it is unbelievable what happened. I've got some great news. Eternity. I mean, Easter, as always, was an eternity-shifting event for more people than we could calculate. Only heaven will record the decisions, the transformations that happened last weekend off the chart. 16,500 people, eight locations, 42 services over five days. To God be the glory, great things he has done, and so many, so many people experienced the wild, scandalous love of the good shepherd who gave his life for us on the cross. It was absolutely off the chain. Now, I want to say thank you to our volunteers because we had people at all of our campuses. Many of them served every service. We had people at Pellissippi served Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday multiples, Sunday multiples. And man, our, our volunteers are off the chart. Off the chart. So it is just exciting what all that God is doing, but the story's not over. Just like Jesus burst out of the grave on Easter, 331 people busted out of the old, into the new, surrendered their life to Jesus. It was a record-breaking weekend, man. Thank you, Lord. This is what we believe. We believe hundreds of people this weekend across all of our campuses are going to go public for Jesus. They are going to put on the uniform of baptism. They are, they are letting the world know, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I was this way and I am new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. It's a new day and a new way. The old life is dead. The new life has come. It is, it, is, it is what God does. He's always at work transforming lives and transforming our stories. Amen. There's, always, there's just always what he does. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 said this, Therefore we are what? Buried with him through what? Baptism is a symbol. That's why we baptize people backwards because that's how they lay you in a coffin all the way throughout the ages, in a sarcophagus, in a tomb. However, that we are buried with him through baptism in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new what? Old things are gone, new things have come. We celebrate God, we celebrate what God has done, we celebrate his grace and his glory we celebrate all those who we had over 500 registered first-time guests, and we believe many of you guys are back this weekend, and we are so grateful that you're back. So grateful. Matter of fact, you know, if you just walk around with a microphone, tell me your story, you'd be stunned how many promisers' first experience with Faith Promise was Easter. Had a young man stop me last weekend at the Pellissippi campus. He said, hey, man, three weeks ago I gave my life to Jesus. Man, I've been transformed. This is my home, and I'm going to serve for the first time today forever. He said, I'm already in a small group. I said, which one? He said, I'm going to your son's Micah's. I said, we have others. We have others. 
But I mean, he just was so excited to serve in the parking lot. And so if you ask people, you'll find out their first experience was, was Easter. And actually, I joke about Mike all the time, but Micah put together Easter. He leads our creative team and communication teams. He puts, he does, matter of fact, he said, hey, Pastor Dad, I, I make him call me Dr. Pastor Dad. And so he said, we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Christmas. It's going to be the greatest thing we've ever done. I said, get on it. Get on it. Because what we've tried to do at Faith Promise is unleash the next generation. It's, you know, every now and then someone that's my age or older comes and say, hey, man, what about me? And what about doing stuff we like? We're just unapologetically going after the next generation. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. And so my job and your job, if you are, you know, you're over 45 or 50, it's your job to pour into the next generation. Show them how to be married, show them how to walk with Jesus, show them how to give, show them how to serve, because they need models, because people do what people see. And so that's, that's our job. And so now, we've got some, we really do, we've all heard that I've got good news. And when somebody says, I've got, got but good news, they used to say, and I've got bad news. See, we live in a world of 24 hours a day, seven day a week news, which I loathe, come on. Matter of fact, if you have a smartphone, you get news alerts as soon as something happens on your phone. And we have spin, spun, and respun news so often that it has developed us that we're always looking for the other shoe to drop, aren't we? So we, didn't even, we don't even believe in good news. We're looking for the but. We're looking for, that, that's what we're looking for. But there's good news. Matter of fact, let me just tell you right here. The world needs some what? It needs good news. And you say, but wait a minute, Pastor, I've come to church. Church doesn't have good news. You went to the wrong church. Because the, the word gospel means good news. They translated euangelion in the Greek, gospel. When we hear the word gospel, we think it's, hey, I'm telling you the gospel. That means it's what? True. Hey, this is the gospel truth. Well, the word gospel, euangelion in the Greek, means good news. So we got good news. And let me tell you what we're going to do in this series. This weekend and in this series for the next three more weekends, we are going to cross some lines. We're going to cross the church lines. Matter of fact, if you were here when the service started, many of you were not. I guess, you know, being late is not a sin. It should be. And so, and so be, but if you were hearing that first song and some of you said, man, why are they doing that in church? We're crossing the church lines. We're crossing the religious line. And what we're trying to do is cross whatever line that you believe is between you and us. Because if you're a young adult, then you believe the church is for old people. You believe the church is just old, doesn't have anything to say, doesn't have anything to speak to our world. Can I tell you? Everybody needs good news. Even you need some good news in this world. And so, God, would you open our minds to the good news? God, would you expose us? Because, God, we live in a world that's about bad news, and we live in a spin, spun, and respun world, and the culture is a tractor beam that tries to pull us away from you. We see it every day. God, give us eyes to see that which is real. You said we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So, God, speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Now, here's what we believe. 
We believe when life moves between the lines, our move is to trust God. So you've got to determine whether you'll trust God or not. It's easy to trust God when God agrees with you, isn't it? It's a little more difficult when God makes a statement in his word that you disagree with. Well, I don't, I don't really trust God because God doesn't agree with me. But could we not or are we not all wrong on some things? Sure we are. Now, if you're here last weekend and maybe you got moved, <clears throat> moved in your mind, in your emotions, you got moved. Or, or actually, for many of you, maybe the first time, you got moved in a deeper part of who you are. We call it the soul. That's what God calls it. Our soul that he gives us. God moves in the soul and the spirit realm. And sometimes when that happens for the first time, man, people react and they run. I don't understand what that was. I, I'm not in control. I don't, I don't like all that. And people run when what you need to do is embrace God because even if you think there might be a God, if there's a God, which we believe there is, that God made you, created you, wants the best for you, you will never experience all there is to life if you leave God out. Now, the culture will tell you that's a lie, but what has the culture ever done for you? What's the world ever done for you? Can I tell you? Big, fat, zero. So here's our question this weekend. What's next and what is now? What's next? So this is what we want you to consider, especially hundreds and hundreds of new people. We want you to consider moving out with the old and in with the good news. Does that make sense? Out with the old. So let me give you some good news. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I believe Percy, the Apostle Paul, was moving his missional base of operations to Rome because it was a center of the known world in his day. It already had one people in Caesar's household. That, that little Roman church was growing. And Paul sends a letter to them, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to lay out the doctrine and the theology because he's going to go start his base of operation. So this is one of the things that Paul says to them and to us. For I am not what? Ashamed of the gospel because it is the of God that brings to some people, to half the people. To white people. Are you sure it means everyone? Who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile? For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that, bring, that is by faith, from faith. I, I think that's the wrong word. Faith. To last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by what? The righteous will live by faith. Now, the apostle Paul, who penned this, was a Pharisee, so he was there on the, on the Jewish holiday of Pentecost. It was one of their high holy days, and he would have been the temple, and he would have heard the commotion with the rest of the people in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, this little 120 ragtag band of Christ followers get filled with the Holy Spirit. God begins moving signs and wonders. They move into the street, and God attracts a massive crowd. 3,000 people bow their knee to Jesus. They check B on the box, and they say, we want to follow Jesus. What do we got to do? Repent, turn from your old life, and let's go get baptized. Well, 3,000 of them get baptized. They are immediately, instantaneous, spontaneously changed and transformed forever. Now, the apostle Paul's name was Saul of Tarsus, and he was furious about it, just like the world is furious when anything good happens in the church. The world never celebrates what happens in the house of God because the world hates the house of God. 
If you're connected at all with culture, you understand the culture hates the house of God. But 2,100 years ago, just like last weekend, hundreds of people said yes to Jesus. And maybe you're one of them. Now, 115 said, I want to follow in believer's baptism. Another 215 sort of held back. And so maybe you're holding back, wondering, is this for me? I can emphatically tell you it is. And I can tell you something else. The good news, the gospel is what? It's powerful. Now, the word, the word in, that in Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God and the salvation, it is the dunamis, which we translate forward the word dynamite. Have you ever seen a stick of dynamite go off? Is it quiet? Is it slow? Is it private? No, no, it is a public event. And it transforms wherever you blow that stick of dynamite up. Everybody knows, and nothing is ever the same. And maybe you were one of those last week that experienced the power of God and the salvation. But you have to realize, if you're listening, say, I am. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, the world starts trying to draw you away from him. They say, well, maybe that wasn't true. Maybe I don't know. Listen, this weekend is for you. This weekend is your opportunity to take your next step. This is, is your opportunity to go one more. Listen, spiritual procrastination will destroy your heart. Are you with me? Man, you got you to obey. Revival flows out of us believing God and then us obeying God. I believe the reason that God is blessing our church is because about 4,000 people are hyper-committed and they're making it happen and God continues to add to that core of who we are. And this is what we believe. We believe your next move is worth what? And your next move may be baptism. You may have been saved for 50 years. We all have a next move with God. Let me ask you a question. Did the Apostle Paul say in Romans 1.16, the gospel was for everyone? Are you sure that means everyone? Because the culture tells us today that the church is not for everyone. It's for white people. It's for black people. It, you know, it's for, it's for rich people or it's for old people. Really, really old people. The church is not for young people. See, the church is, and what young adults? Well, the church is old. It's outdated. It's judgmental. The church is really not for me. Listen, if you will engage, you will gain. I want to challenge you, four weeks, this four-week series of Between the Lines, just engage, come back. Now, if God is true and the Bible is true, isn't it worse investigation? And I'm going to tell you what, God's Word will stand up to investigation. See, young adults believe the church is opposed to science. No, we're not. We do know that science has a shelf life. And so I don't ever have to make my Bible adhere to what the current scientific theory is because scientific theory changes with new revelation, doesn't it? You say, I don't think science changed. Well, really, didn't all the scientists believe the world was flat? Oh, wow, it's round. Didn't the world, all the great scientists believe that the sun and, the, and, and our solar system revolved around us? Oh, wow, it doesn't. And what about poor Pluto? If I wouldn't have said that, and I would have said, how many planets are in our solar, in our solar system? Everybody would have said what? Nine. There's not nine. Pluto got punted. There's eight. 
Why? Because scientific theory has a shelf life. And so that science, listen, science in the Bible, they don't, they don't, man, they don't disagree. As a matter of fact, how many before you went to bed last night and pulled your smartphone out and checked what the meteorologist said about this morning? 100% chance of rain. That's the only time I think they get it right. If they say 95, I say, well, they've left some room. <laughs> Why? See, science is a moving kind of deal. That target moves. We're not afraid of that. We got some of the world's best scientists right down the street at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, and a ton of them worship the God that created the universe right here with us. We're not afraid. Come on. So young adults, don't let anything stomp out your engagement. Our culture that we live in today is cynicism and negativity are the attitudes today. Don't let them influence. Have an open mind. Because listen, we're not here to lecture you, to preach at you. We're here to love you and walk with you. Does that make sense? It's just the deal. Matter of fact, so much so that starting, starting this week or next week, we, this weekend, we've got a thing called Group Link at all of our campuses. It's where you can find out about community. It's where you can try a small group for four weeks. Man, we're not asking you to sign a, a 30-year house note. We're saying try community for four weeks. Stand studying the Bible with some believers because, see, many times you have to belong before you can fully believe. You've got to understand the culture of Christ. We get the culture of the world. Matter of fact, most of us don't realize that the culture has the biggest influence in what we believe, not the Bible. That's why we're doing this series, Between the Lines. Where do your values and vision, where do your thoughts really come from? Well, I surmise it's way more from culture than it is from Christ, and it shouldn't be that way. You tell me how old you are, and I'll tell you what you believe because I know what you grew up in. Does that make sense? So, man, go on your smartphone, sign up a group link, go to the next steps, and say, hey, I want to sign up. I want to find out what there's, what there, what's going on. Now, some of you who made, a, who made a leap of faith last weekend, 331 people said yes to Jesus. Now, if you're a young adult, let me tell you how you felt. Are you ready for Let's say I am. You felt like taking a step of faith was a leap off the ledge of logic. And you older folks like me are saying, that's crazy. I didn't feel that way. I know you didn't grow up in the America they're growing up in. It's a different world. That's why we throw some secular songs in. See, we, if we're going to cross the church line, we've got to help our guests and people that never been in the church feel comfortable instead of just you being felt comfortable. A guest needs to be put first. So you say, I had a guy stop me three weeks ago. I said, I can't believe you were playing that horrible, terrible music in the house of God. I said, do you go to church? He said, no, I hadn't been in years. But I tell you, you can't do that music. I said, we're trying to, he's, I bought him, I bought I said, listen, let me, let me, let me, can I do you a favor? I want to invite you to First Baptist Concord. Because John Avent's a friend of mine, and they'll rarely do a secular song. Hey, let me send you to Rick Dunn at Fellowship. Those guys are unbelievable. They don't do what we do. They have a little different culture. Go there, but don't come here. He said, I want to talk. I said, our conversation's over. Because I don't need somebody who's really never been to church to tell me how to run church. Are you with me? See, this church began to reach people far from God. And 22 years ago, you could do stuff in that culture that that culture is dead. Does that make sense? Hey, I'm just telling you, man, it's a different America. And so people feel like if young adults, they give thought to Jesus, they're committing intellectual and cultural suicide. See, today the words, if you're wired into the culture, the words are acceptance, tolerance, and pluralism. 
all roads lead to God, is he schizophrenic? See, if all roads lead to God, do any roads lead to God? See, when somebody tells you all roads lead to God, can I tell you, that means, that, that means they don't value spiritual things. Because can God not make up his mind? Buddhist does one thing, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Hare Krishna. No, man, God said, I've made a way. It's, it's the, the way. And so we say tolerance, accepting the pluralism, but let me give you the real deal. Today we live in the most judgmental era ever. There's never been so much judgment. Matter of fact, our judgment is jaded by our lack of judgment. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let me, let me, tolerance is the word for today, right? Is that right? Let me ask you a question. How does tolerance address evil in the world? How does tolerance address militant Islam that will kill boys and girls? How does, how does, hey, how does acceptance, what kind of solace is that for the Syrians that were burned to death with chemical weapons? Are the Coptic Christians that were killed by a suicide bomber on Palm Sunday trying to worship God? Does this make sense? What does the, what does the world have to say to that? Who addresses that evil? You said, but wait a minute, Pastor, man, we're not ISIS. We're not, I know we're not. I mean, so what about jealousy? What about bitterness? Conceit, deceit, apathy, judgmentalism, prejudice, hatred. Do we have some of those in the house? Excuse me? See, here's the real deal with judgment. All right, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here's the deal. We're all fine with judgment so long as we're the judge. I'm good if I got the gavel, baby, as long as I'm the arbitrator of right and wrong, as long as I got the black robe on and I get to pontificate and pass judgment, I'm good. But as soon as somebody tries to do that at me, we jump up and say, oh, wait, you can't judge. Is that right? Because come on, let's be intellectual. Let's learn to think in the house of God. Look at Romans chapter 2. It addresses it. If you therefore, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass what? On someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things as those you're passing judgment against. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. When God judges, he's right. When we judge, we're not. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you'll escape God's judgment? Or, are you slow, or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness? See, we want God to be kind to people who've done the same things we've done. If you, if you struggle with drugs, you've got a compassion for people that are drug addicts. See, but if you've never struggled with the sin, you believe God ought to rain fire down. See, in my generation, the worst sin was homosexuality. And we look at the next generation and wonder why they don't think that's a big deal. It's the culture that they grew up in. But, but is it our job to pass judgment on a group of people? If God, the riches of God's kindness, the forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness to people that you hate is intended to lead you and them to repentance, it's the goodness of God, not the wrath of God that brings salvation. It's the mercy of God and the tolerance of God and the love of God and the kindness of God that draw people to a God that is loving. And when we live love, come on, when we live love, 
People are drawn to the God of love. And you say, Christians are loving. Get on Facebook. And they got the little status, whatever you call that. I don't do Facebook, but you got that first bar up there that they tell about themselves, Christ follower, lover of God. And all they do is hate people and Christians. All they do is talk about this preacher or that preacher, and they bash and they trash. If you're going to do it, take Christ follower off your front page. My goodness. Man, let's, listen, Jesus said, they'll know you're by disciples when you have love one for another. Who might have loved your neighbor? Who's that? Anybody that you come in contact with. See, let me tell you the Bible. Nothing is more available and more accepting than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's good news for everyone. There's nobody to shun, nobody to hate, no infidels to murder, no people to, to kill. Jesus said in Luke 5, 32, he said this, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I don't know about you, but that defines me. Is there anybody, can anybody agree with that? Man, when he got me, I was the most vilest of all sinners. He didn't say, you're a heathen dog, Chris. You ought to be like a weenie on a grill burning in the cavernous pits of hell. He said, you hate yourself. I love you. You think you're worthless? I value you. And people tell me, but I feel worthless when I go to church. Everybody judges me. People, listen, if, you, if that's you, you've gone to the wrong church. Because God said this in Romans 5, 8. God did what? He demonstrated, he proved, he showed his own love for us, the world, for God loves the world, in this, that while we were sinners, separated, God-haters, Christ died for us, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. So you say, I feel worthless. Your feelings are lying. God gave his son for you. You have more value and more worth in the eyes of God than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Come on, somebody. That's good news. I don't care where you are. That good news gets me up in the morning. It, 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 man, it rivets my soul every morning. I remember, well, this is what I was. And I'm not perfect, but I'm not like that guy used to be at 22. Because the goodness of God transforms us. It is the power of God unto salvation. Man, it is, the, it is the dunamis of God. And what God wants to do, especially if you've never given your heart to Jesus, is draw you with his indescribable, unfailing, monumental, heavenly love that will baptize you with love and his presence and his fullness and give you joy that the world could only ever promise. Because the world promises and it never delivers. Because you got to remember, the world is set up to draw you away from God. And some of you right now, you're, you're sort of fidgeting in your chair. You're thinking, man, it's me. I probably need to do that. But what will my friends think? What will what, what, I mean, happen if I give my heart to Jesus? You'll go to heaven. And you'll experience love like you never have. And you'll experience acceptance from God. And can I tell you, if God is your father, if you can say, Abba, Daddy, I love you, it doesn't matter what the world says about you. If you can just experience some of that. So if you're ready to have your sin forgiven, if you're ready to step over the line, you say, man, it just seems like that's such a leap out of logic. That's what your flesh wants you to believe, and that's what the world wants you to believe, because it's set up to keep you from God.
That's what it's there for. So, man, we, we love you. God loves you. And if you're ready for a brand new start, God said in Romans 10, 13, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So let's Romans 10, 13 this weekend. So I'm going to lead what we call a, a sinner's prayer. And if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, if you're ready to be forgiven, if you're ready to be transformed, right now is your time for your next move. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and we're separated. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. You died for me. You rose from the grave. I will follow you. Help me love you. Help me love others. I will follow you into heaven in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, campus pastors, you guys take it at every campus. Now, last weekend, people said yes to Jesus. This weekend, people right now just said yes to Jesus. Some of you said yes last month or six months ago, but you've never gone public. Jesus said, if you'll profess me before men, I'll profess you before my Father, which is in heaven. So those 3,000 people on Pentecost that said yes, they bowed their knee to Jesus and they walked straight to baptism, straight in. You say, I'll get my hair wet. You're going to get wet leaving anyway. <laughs> if we were Methodists, we can't all love you. So here's the deal, man. You say, well, I, man, I didn't sign up. That's right. We brought shorts. We brought shirts. You can have the shirt. We brought towels. Ladies, we've got everything you'll need. There is no reason to put off. There's no reason to be a spiritual procrastinator. You say, if my family's not here, then take the communication card in front of you, sign up for baptism next weekend, and bring everybody you know. Because let's go public in front of them. Let's declare, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, who was publicly stripped, publicly beaten, publicly crucified, and publicly rose from the grave. He doesn't need any James Bond 007 secret agent believers trying to hide, for we are not ashamed of the one who died for us. We are not ashamed to go public for him. And so God is dealing right now with some hearts. He's saying, this is your day, and you're saying, no, not, not today. See, man, you squeam. How do you know that? Because that's what I did. Man, for the first six months, every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I came to church, the sermon was at me. I said, does the preacher follow me around and just preach to me? Don't these other people do anything wrong? I was repenting every service. But man, I was so far from God, God was tweaking and polishing and moving. Man, he said, I won't, I won't leave you undone, Philippians 1, 6. I'll complete that, which I began. So this is your weekend to go public. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. The, the praise team's going to lead. Matter of fact, just me, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if that's you, I want you to get up and go straight out the back doors. You'll meet someone. They'll pray with you. They'll fill out a card for you. They'll take you back. They'll put you, you'll go to a room. You'll change clothes. They won't help you with that. You'll go in there, <laughs> change clothes, and then while we worship, we're going to baptize. And we're going to keep baptizing. And I believe there's a lot of people in this service that need to say yes to Jesus for baptism. Amen. You say, man, my friends and my family wouldn't believe it. They didn't mind it either. That's okay. I didn't do it for them. I did it for him. And if he's willing to die for me, I'm willing to live for him. So come on, God, Holy Spirit, would you speak and move and give us faith to obey 
right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to count to three. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. You be the first one to head out those doors. They're waiting. Man, you be the first one. Don't look around. Don't wonder. Don't guess. Man, don't hesitate. Are you ready? Somebody help me. One, two, three. Come on. Hop up. Begin to make your way out. There we go. Come on. Let's win this weekend. Make your way out.